no matter where in the world you go or what you choose to listen to. You don't have to look far to find hip hop because the music that turned 50 this year is so much more than a genre. It's a culture. Constantly evolving, constantly asserting itself, hip-hop has permeated every niche of American life, so much so that you might not have recognized it. It's big business. It's fashion. And sports. West Coast makes some noise. But most especially and above all else, it's language. Opening eyes to the lies, history's told foul, but I'm as wise as the old owl. Plus the gold child, seeing things like I was controlling, click rolling, tricking six digits on kicks and still holding trips to Paris. I civilized every savage. Give me one shot, I turn tripe life to lavish. Political and because it's all of those things, hip hop can be a perfect entree into education. The music, the sound is a powerful sound. The beat is magnetic. Hip-hop is not just Africanized or Afro-diasporic because we pull in everything into our music. So it's not just that, but that, that, mm, that stank that's in that music, <laughs> it's going to make you get with it, right? The music is going to make you get with it. So what are you going to say on top of that? Because it's all pedagogical. You know, you're going to be learning from that music because it's getting you. So what are you going to say with that music? How could we use that music? And how can we use the beauty of hip-hop? Because it's a beautiful culture. In this episode of the Ohio State University Inspire podcast, we talked to teaching and learning professor Elaine Richardson, Dr. E, a pioneer in the study of discourse analysis, especially as it relates to hip-hop literacy, about pushing past the commercialized and often negative messages in hip-hop music. To find a rich cultural well from which students can draw. And we talked to Jason Rouse, a new assistant professor of hip hop at Ohio State, about how the music genre flings open the doors to education, introducing young learners and college students to everything from history and literature to chemistry and political science. I'm Robin Chenoweth. Carol Del Grasso is our audio engineer. Inspire is a production of the College of Education and Human Ecology. First things first, if you're going to bring into your recording studio a maven of hip-hop literacy who moonlights singing R&B and soul, and if you're going to interview a DJ who travels the world stage and teaches hip-hop at the university level, first, you better get your equipment right and hit the record button early. Can you turn my headphones down just a tad? That's Jason or Jay Rawls. He's taught the art and politics of hip-hop at Ohio State for four years and was recently named an assistant professor in music and African-American studies. He co-directs the new hip-hop studies program with Stevie Johnson, but also has a Ph.D. in educational administration. Once upon a time, he was a teacher. As a DJ, he's giving me a lesson in audio setup as Dr. E watches us. I don't know how to turn the headphones down. 
Do you? I want wow. Oh, silly. He's the greatest dancer. I want wow. You're so silly. Yes. This is a studio master. That's your input. That's the input. Here it is. He's the master blaster. There you go. See, by me being a vocalist. These uh, these headphones ain't right for me. No, these headphones aren't yeah. right. Period. Not for a vocalist at all. If you were in the studio, you would tell somebody, "Can we get a different set of headphones?" I like stuff that makes my voice sound smoky. I smoky. think you're. I <laughs> think you're. Me? I got studio I session it. tomorrow. It's like, oh it. god. I think your voice I'm does so sound. It does. Smoky. Not in these headphones. Really? <laughs> no, okay. I would have to really overdo it and make my voice sound like I really wanted to sound. That's actually. Good. <laughs> How do you do that? That's actually good. It's you, really good. I'm actually. in the wrong line of business. I got I a feeling I'm never going to get to my questions because oh, you, okay, you two are so much fun. Okay, Dr. E. Yes. I went on a weekend trip with my husband. Nice. And we're driving through the mountains and I'm, I'm researching you. <laughs> and I find this video Ooh. of you singing, Let Me Clear My Throat. And I'm like, Hey, wait a minute, baby. Think you forgot your hat and your coat. You think I'm a joke? Wait a minute. I heard that she could sing. <laughs> I just don't quite know how to say this. <laughs> but let me clear my throat. But I had it going as loud as I could in the car. <laughs> I know your husband was like, why are you trying to kill me? My husband's like, she's a teaching and learning professor? And I'm like, (laughs) blew me away. Do you write your own music? I do. I write the songs and then I sing them to uh, my musicians and producers and tell them what I feel. And they put the music to it. A hip hop song by the same title by DJ Cool sounds nothing like Dr. E's music, by the way, which begs the question. Why did a professor who sings R&B like that become one of the first scholars to study hip-hop and its influence on culture, language, and education? Her book on the subject, Hip-Hop Literacies, first published in 2006. By training, I'm an applied linguist, so I do critical discourse analysis. Mm -hmm. So we look at movement, we look at body language, we look at Black language, we look at sound, we look at all of those things to try to understand, you know, the power that is in the music and also the contradictions that's in the music. Hip hop has permeated American culture and also in global culture, but also uh, American culture is very much a part of hip hop. Mm. You can't get out of it. I mean, especially commercialized and commodified hip hop. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition, flow inside my DNA. I was born like this, this born like this, immaculate conception. I transformed like this, performed like this, was y'all you a new weapon. I don't contemplate, I meditate, then off your fucking head. This that puts the kiss to bed. Everybody's going for the bag. <laughs> uh, it's about business. It's about branding. It's about knowledge. It's about knowing who you are and trying to be excellent, being dope. And I think all of that is is intertwined. It also has many um, aspects of empire. Commodified mm-hmm. mm. hip-hop uh-huh. has a lot of those aspects to it. 
that's one way that you can look at these competing discourses within hip hop hmm. and and how a lot of that the empire part of it the colonialization part of it can be fed back to us and be detrimental to our young people the aspect of hip hop that most people know are the vulgar the most vile the raunchy that's the hip hop that's pushed into the mainstream and so people assume that hip hop is that but it's not hip hop can be a, 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 a number of different things because it comes out of the individual no that's not me no that's not me act like a waste man that's not me sex any girl no that's not me lips any girl no that's not me yeah i used to wear gucci i put it all in the bin cuz that's not me true i used to look like you but just like a mess no 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 and also have somebody who's educated or someone who's about social justice and they can make hip hop, too. So there's many different forms and aspects of hip hop that the general public never even hears about. I can name hip hop artists that you would never know about. But those are the ones that you should probably be hearing. Wow. But because of the machine that pushes the raunchy, the, the worst. The aspects, violent. Thank you. The violence, all those things. They push that because that's what sells. And they push that to, let's be honest, the black community. And to kids, too, right? With students, when I ask them what they are listening to, they'll tell me stuff like um, Sexy Red. Mm -hmm. And so we have to talk about that because I work with girls 8 to 18 years old. That's what's um, pushed and, to them. Now. And that's what's out there. And, wow. it, and so they it, tell you that this, this is the clean version yeah. that they're playing on the radio stations. And you turn your car it's on. and it, It's not <laughs> clean because you know what? the It's not clean. I have a mentoring program, uh, um, Empowering Young Voices Mentoring uh, mm -hmm. for the Arts. And the girls that I work with, these are the kind of conversations that we have. What do you say uh, to them about that music? About well, that we talk about it. Mm -hmm. We talk about it, and I let them come to their realization of what's going on in the music. What I'm showing them is that that is adult entertainment mm -hmm. that is it's pushed all through mainstream culture like yep. it's just youth music. You can't shield your kids from it because it's seen as youth music. It's on the regular radio station. But all the time it's normalizing these discourses for our youth and our young girls need to be having conversations about that. And our young men and our young um, trans and our young, our youth period, they need to be having conversations about what this music is saying to you and normalizing for you. So you're you're helping the youth sort of become be critical, a, be critical, be critical about what you're putting in your in your mind because it's 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 socializing your mind. The part that's pushed to right. the mainstream right. is not necessarily positive. But there are plenty of artists creating affirming messages. These experts say, and those can be very valuable in the classroom. Currently, right now, people are making positive hip hop, but you have to look for it. What are you listening to now? 
there's Nas and Little Brother and and uh, there's a new uh, young dude that I recently found named Ray Wimley who has a song called Black Power Time. I know we have to overcome the odds, but as I look at history, we do this all the time. Sense of perseverance and a colorful mind that paints a vivid image so our thoughts can design the land of milk and honey where we destined to thrive. Royal DNA needed to Just be very educational talking about the Black Power movement and just talking about uh, some of the things from uh, Black Lives Matter. The captain of your own soul. You dictate how the story gets told. Looking for the life you want, go and take control. Find determination after death. Elaine Richardson launched the annual Columbus Women and Girls Fest in 2017 to celebrate female empowerment. Her Hip Hop Literacies Conference, where Jay Rawls also presents and performs, has for 12 years raised awareness using hip hop to address issues facing marginalized youth. I mean, we bring them here. We we have artists mm-hmm. like Sarah. Sarah. My flow limitless from renegades to remnants of cotton, but I feel like I can't reach you. I'm antennaless and black. Why? This shouldn't be so hard still, but I guess it could be painful. Shane a piece your high like a three card smell. And they think if they throw cash, they deserve to see card wheels. But I don't bend and I have no tricks, just my beliefs in God's will. So, so we gonna We have artists like uh, Mama Soul. Yes. We have artists like Flaugé. We have artists like Moo Moo Fresh. Queen of culture, bringing disease and new vultures, watching me like a pinup poster, tapping in my seeds like a counterfeit sculpture, but that God frequency just a dripping off of. I'm doing law, high priest, and study bars. I'm a quadruple threat, nebular superstar. I'm too big to stay in my lane, murder you all. I'm staying in my claim. I'm a hurricane. Every These are the people that I bring here. Specifically, mm-hmm. I bring black women mm-hmm. because that's my work with mm-hmm. black women and girls. They don't know that those type of artists exist. All they know is the commercial artists that are played on the radio. And not saying that these artists aren't commercial. They can sell a lot, but they don't get the exposure because they're talking, you know, like consciousness, black consciousness, culture, being empowered with your history. And, you know, they're trying to wipe black history out. They're trying to stop black history with this anti-woke thing that's going on now. They don't want our children to be woke. What's being pushed out there, there's no outrage from the anti-woke folk, you know, saying that, hey, we should be making sure that our youth can have black history in their music, can have it in the classroom so that they can have um, critical consciousness and, and not fall prey to so many social traps that are out here. Dr. Rouse, I was going to ask you about the history of hip hop because I was really surprised that it just turned 50. Um, mm. I didn't. I never, ex- I never expected that because mm-hmm. I wasn't born. He wasn't born. <laughs> I wasn't born. I wasn't born. You're the, uh, you're... I was 13. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you. Uh, you know, the, the, the history. So we talk about this in the art and politics of hip hop. Hip hop really stems from Bronx, New York, huh. with um, young, marginalized youth, black and brown youth who you got to you got to remember it really it's important to think about the socioeconomic status of the Bronx at that time around the late 60s early 70s loss of jobs different uh, socioeconomic factors began to happen 
uh, you talk about schools where they had taken out um, the music, the arts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. taken out the mm-hmm. arts. So these are young people who didn't have, didn't really have the money to go and have drums or do drum lessons or guitar lessons. So it's like, what do we have around us? Well, we've got turntables, we've got records, DJs that were around at that time were playing um, funk records more so than the popular disco at the time. And so, um, Funk was the the backdrop for what was going on. Come on. <laughs> hey. You got a DJ making new music by doing what this idea of what Cool Herc called the merry-go-round, where he would take a drum break on a record and play one of them and then bring in the other one of the drum break from the other turntable. (laughs) And keep basically um, creating new music using turntables. And so the the B-boys at the party, the dancers, the people who were dancing, waited for this part. And when that part came on, they would start doing yeah. like different types of moves. And, and, and so Herc would start calling those, those guys the break boys or the break girls. And that's where this idea of, of B-boy, B-girl started to come out um, because they waited for the break. organic people were just doing what felt right they were creating um and like i said creating something from nothing because this idea of we can't afford to go into the best dance studios we see some old refrigerator cardboard over there so let's take that and put it down on the street so we can actually have a place to dance we don't have the money for drums and and saxophones and trombones and what have you but We've got access to our uncle's old records or our mom's records. That's the thing that I think is most important about hip hop. It's this idea. And this is why I talked about my TED talk, hip hop mentality. It's this idea of nothing is going to stop us. Mm-hmm. Right? That's and, right. And that's what you use when you do the hip hop literacies. Like you find ways to get it done. Yeah. I- I've been watching you do that all oh, these years. And you. that's that's hip hop. When yeah. you are doing something and you yeah. are struggling to get it done and you're like, nope, not going to stop me. I'm yeah. going to get it done. Yeah. That's a hip hop mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's the story of hip hop. That's what hip hop is. What are hip hop literacies? I define it as all the ways that people who are hip hop make meaning, Mm. Uh, all the ways that they live in the world. Hmm. I mean, because, you know, hip hop comes from the people. Mm-hmm. So that is it's real broad because it needs to be. What are you telling people 
about hip hop and the way it can help kids, especially to learn? I think it's a way of getting to understand the depth of the people that you're working with and also to learn how to learn from them, mm-hmm. learn from the culture, That's mm-hmm. learn from the students. Because if you can't really center them, you're marginalizing the relationship where you could be getting the best mm-hmm. and helping them be the best and learning that you have to change as the educator. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to change. He wrote the book on it. <laughs> he wrote the book. No, no. Did I you? mean, our work complements each other. It's different, I, I, but it, it complements each other. But yeah. So, what what does your book say? Uh, my book is called uh, Youth Culture Power. You have scholars such as uh, Treva Lindsay, Doctor E, uh, Bettina Love, mm-hmm. Chris Emden, mm-hmm. Emery Petchauer. You have these scholars who are speaking about centering hip hop in education because it as she just said, allows you to learn from them. And when you learn from your students, you actually, you do better, right? The whole classroom is better. But we actually expanded it to talk about youth culture Mm -hmm. because what I understood when I was teaching K-12, I started to see that hip-hop culture was my end, but then there were also kids who might have been into maybe skateboarding or anime, Mm -hmm. and it was the same thing. So what I did was I I leveraged – my authentic self, which I'm hip hop, I'm hip hop culture. I am hip hop. I believe it. I, I just am. Everything I do is hip hop. And so my students would see that. And if I would have a student who would have something like, like, let's say skateboarding, I know absolutely nothing about skateboarding. And so I would have that student tell me about it. We just have conversations and I just ask questions and, and learn from that student. And so that student's opening up to me and we're building that relationship. And so through that relationship, that student starts to trust me. We have that connection. And eventually that student opens up and and allows me to teach them. What is the power of a song to teach that history and to teach those lessons? Music is culture. When young people are able to interact with culture, I think it it becomes more important to them. It's something they can hook on to. Like, for instance, um, when Chris Emden uses hip-hop, to help teach science, the students can remember it a little better because mm-hmm. it it relates to something that they're used to. Mm-hmm. His students came here and were rapping the periodic table. Here's a sample of that being done by another artist. Blew my mind. No way. Blew my mind. His students, man, they're off the chain. Wow. His students are off the chain. And Jay's students, Jay. Yeah, that's just one example. But that's but that that is that type of idea. Dr. E, in your classes, what do you do to teach young teachers to embrace this? Most of the people uh, that I'm that take my classes are going to be in the urban environment. Mm. So if you're going to be in the urban environment, you need to know something about our language, mm. our history, our culture, our nice. music. I expose them to different literature, different ways of thinking about teaching, like that you are actually a learner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. Sometimes we don't give the young people a chance to be wrong. They can Mm -hmm. be wrong without us critiquing them sometimes and just let them 
figure some things out and then come back to us mm-hmm. instead of foisting on them something or some way of learning or some way of being that we've been taught is a good student or that we've been taught is education or that we've been taught is learning. Um, it, it's really about taking an inventory on yourself and also being humble and learning from and with your students. That's the kind of work that I like to do. You know that trick that was all the rage? Flipping half-filled water bottles so that they land upright? Jay Rawls co-wrote the first hip-hop-based curriculum for pre-service teachers with his friend, John Robinson, a teacher in Brooklyn at the time, after they both realized that their students were flipping bottles in classes 500 miles apart. He was like, yeah, we doing it too. I'm like, wait a minute, something's going on here. And we started to realize that these young people are connected through culture. And of course, one of the biggest aspects of culture is hip hop. And it's this idea of that young people, they they ooze youth culture. They they just are that. And and it's everywhere. And then social media makes this world a small place. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they all know what's going on at the same time. So we start using that. When the fidget spinners were there, I didn't disallow it in my classroom, but the school banned it. I brought it in. Like, show me what you're doing and why. So we, we could use different things, the water bottle flip. We go, okay, whoever gets it on, you answer the next question. Like, I bring in the culture. Mm-hmm. Don't exit out because what you're doing is you're telling them not to be who they are. That they and don't so, belong. And that they don't belong. And so that's what my classes were about. Dr. E, same thing for you. Are we teaching them how to bring a hip hop song in instead of maybe Lord Byron or something like that? Are we? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I used to do that because I was trained in structural analysis of language. And what I did was had my students bring in what they listened to. We were going to look at it for black language structures, right? Mm. And they refused it. They refused. They refused. It was a few little goody two-shoe students that were trying to do it. We don't want to be tied down to the copula and the the, the syntax and the phonology. Uh That comes last. What I found out is that stuff comes last. What comes first is the power in the language. It's not about the song. It's the Mm -hmm. cultural aesthetic. Mm -hmm. How do you bring the culture Mm -hmm. into the classroom? How do you let students be who they are? Mm -hmm. Center your classroom on who those students are. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, then it's not just about the song and the lyrics, Mm -hmm. and then you get past the the dirty language or whatever, you start to hone in on the cultural relevance of the the hip hop, of not, so not just the song or not just the music, you gotta go deeper. Because people are looking for teaching formulas. It's not it, that's (laughs) not the way to go. Of course, you're going to have your curriculum, the readings that you want people to read, but you still got to find a way into that material with your students. I told them to bring in lyrics, and we were going to do these syntactical and phonological analyses. And my students got me into critical discourse analysis, even though they didn't know that that's what they were doing. Oh, is that what that was? That's what made me start teaching critical discourse analysis. It's bigger than hip hop. It's bigger than syntax and, and structure. Let's talk about the correspondence between structure and language and the structural racism. You see what I'm saying? So you get you get to thinking bigger and from intersectional perspectives, 
you know, based on who you have in your classroom and, and their interests. You get you got to engage their interests. It's hard. And also teach them, you know, like, for example, the research process, <laughs> you, you know, and how to read closely and how to read critically and be able to express that. And they can express it in different ways. I love that you're both so into knowing your students so thoroughly. You to. to get the best out of them. For me, it's... It, that's all teaching is. It's, it's about caring. It's about building relationships. I can teach you anything if, if we can connect. Here we go. To access playlists of the songs featured here, see our episode notes. <laughs> Fancy, my flow, ring the turbium, and manganese, and mercury, mobidium, magnesium, dysposium, and scandium, serbium, mass, easy, um, lead, and prisodium.